Are you going to intro, yeah? Sure. Eddie, you ready when you are, my friend? Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Frankfurt IAA, the International Auto Show 2019 edition. My name is Eric, and I'm here with my colleague, Martin. Hello, hello. So, we have a, you know, an overview, essentially, of this show, which is actually ridiculously small compared to what we've seen in the past years. And, um, well, we're just going to take you through a virtual tour of what it is that we saw through um, the, what is it like, four halls, basically. It is four halls. Uh, it's actually half of what it was uh, compared to 2017. And I think we have about 20 manufacturers missing from the show. Amongst them is Volvo. Um, all of the French guys are pretty much not here. Nissan is not here. Mitsubishi is not here. Uh, a lot of the American guys are not here. So uh, we have some additions with the, with, the, uh, with the Chinese. But in general, it has become a small show just in terms of the amount of people that are here but unfortunately as this is Frankfurt it's still a lot to walk <laughs> yeah so that's I mean you know to add to that list I mean it's it's crazy the number of manufacturers that are not present at this show when you think about Kia for example has a design studio pretty much right next door like is part of this messe and is not present except for a little um, box display outside Mazda, also European design studio, not here. Uh, Toyota, not present. The French, of course, yes. I mean, you could say, you know, it's spite. Uh, German manufacturers did not attend their show last year, so hey, why not? But um, what's really interesting is that there are a whole lot of no-shows. And yeah, like you say, it's still Frankfurt, so it's still really spread out. Like, the Germans still have their typical stand, so Mercedes is in Hall 2. BMW's in Hall 11, and in between that, we're in Hall 8 right now, and that's pretty much the only hall that's occupied besides Hall 3, Hall 2, and Hall 11. So there's a lot of desert, <laughs> a lot of wasteland um, in between those halls, and it's um, really um, incredible, actually. Um, I mean, it's a, a sign of the times. So let's get going. Let's, let's do, do the, it. the virtual tour, and we're going to start off with... Uh, We have Benoit here. <laughs> we're, on, we're on the biting stand we're right now. Yes, it is. It is. Come, come, Benoit. Join us. Join us. <laughs> so we just like, in, in case you're listening to that and not saying, this was just Benoit Jacob uh, having a little bit of fun because we, uh, you know, he, he's obviously quite relaxed now. The car is, has been revealed, but we get to that later. Yes. Um, so let's, uh, let's start off with the virtual tool. And we're going to start off in Hall 1, which has always been, and I'm not quite sure if it will always be in the future, the Mercedes Hall. Hall 2. Hall 2. Hall 2. Uh, I don't know yes. what Hall 1 is, but whatever. Uh, anyway. Hall 2, the first hall, hall we're going to, yeah. has always been Mercedes. <laughs> and uh, if you've never been to Frankfurt, it's pretty much like a big circled hall. Like a traditional... Uh, concert hall pretty much in that sense mm. and it used to be absolutely stuffed it had a certain amount of floors with it as well mm -hmm. this year two or three cars in there from Mercedes um, and no second third floor 
at all. So yeah, I mean, what's really interesting from a stand perspective is, as you said, it used to be three stories tall, and they kitted out the whole the whole hall was Mercedes Benz, and now basically there's I think a half of a second floor. But anyway, that's just kind of a viewing area, balcony, if you will. Um, and like you say, there's only a few cars down on the floor. So when you first walk in, there's your typical model range from Mercedes-Benz. Um, but they're not all there in all the different colors. Um, there's some smart cars, of course. And then there's the main concept inside. But it's not even a full floor. It's like a half of the hall, too. So it's like a half of what used to be a full three-story tall hall. So anyway, that said... The concept car that took pride of place at the center of that mm -hmm. stage was the EQS, I believe, yes. And that is essentially a um, future vision S-Class. It's pretty much an electrified S-Class. Yes. I think this is, you know, we had Mercedes showing us the EQ range of cars, which is their... EQ is actually a Mercedes brand, yeah? mm. so it's like AMG. So they see it really as their EQ electrified version of the cars that they have. This is the S-Class version of it. We've seen an A, we've seen this, uh, a C, we've seen like a, a V-Class version of it as well. And the problem that Mercedes have with that is I think they're not going far ahead with the idea of what they want to do with that. So if you see the car on pictures, it's actually quite simple. There's not much to it. You know, it goes back to almost like a CLS-style shape, just a little bit rounder. Um, for me, there's nothing new in it. You know, it's about showing, like, hey, you know, we can still work with forms. It's the Gordon Wagoner idea of let's take away as many lines as possible. And this one does achieve that. It has some really interesting kind of points when it comes to um, uh, parametrics and stuff like that. But it also works a lot with logos and stuff and, and, and it's just not a comprehensive image and it could have been better I think you know if they would have had maybe a little bit more time with it it could have been better but obviously as it's Mercedes it's still solid you know? I mean we're, 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 we're criticizing on a very high level here so it is a solid show car but nothing that you will remember in six months time at all yeah well I mean I, it is kind of to me looking at the, the form overall kind of proportions of that car is kind of a cross between a CLS and an S-Class, right? As you mentioned, it's more CLS shape, certainly at the rear. Now, what's interesting about that car is I think it was done by the same designer that did the box, so the first electric autonomous thing that was shown in Vegas several years ago. Um, so it's this very soft volumes, and Mercedes has done this before. You're right, I mean, EQ as a brand could stand to really... Um, you know, position itself as something different, and it's not. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's quite sedate still. Now, what's interesting about this car in particular is the digitalization of everything, right? I mean, you've got these holographic headlamps, like um, you know, the grill with all the lamps in it. At the rear, you've got these like pixelated lamps as well, graphics. Inside, it's the same colorways as we saw on that um, Mercedes. Um, you know, box thing, I can't remember the name of it now, but several years ago now, um, the silver one without the windows, it was really a mono volume um, that was shown at CES. And um, it was blue and purple, and the colorways are the same on the interior. Now, unfortunately, Mercedes did not open the interior of that concept, so we weren't able to actually, funnily enough, I was out there 
you know, just uh, having a beer last night with a couple of guys from the design team. And I saw Hartman Simplex, head of Mercedes-Benz, taking a photograph with his cell phone through the window of that concept car. Like, I've never seen anything so funny in my life. The guy built this thing. You'd think he'd know what it looks like. Anyway, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, but anyway, otherwise, I really liked it. I mean, I I like the simple. I like what Mercedes is doing. Some people think it's a little flat, whatever. I like the two-tone colorways. It doesn't need to be over-the-top expressive, which it actually was, if you look at it from a digital sense and a lighting perspective. But otherwise, I really like it. Um, yeah, it's nothing particularly revolutionary, but it's very soft, very Mercedes, and very elegant. Yeah. And apart from that, actually, we didn't really have that much to see at Mercedes. There was uh, one production version of the, I think it was the EQB, um, which we very briefly looked at, but you know, walked away. It's like, yeah, all right, cool. And that's what we're going to do as well now. So we're going to move away from Hall 2 and we're going to Hall 3, yep. which is the Volkswagen Group Hall. Yes. So we're going to focus now on everything that is within the Volkswagen Group. Quick disclaimer, there was no Bentley represented. Mm. Bentley wasn't there. Um, Ducati was only there on the Audi stand, from what I saw. I didn't even see that. Yeah. And uh, so we have Volkswagen, Audi, Lamborghini, uh, Skoda and Porsche. Yeah? Yes. And let's actually start with the big one that a lot of people were anticipating, uh, the entire electric EV family industry was looking forward to finally seeing the final version of the ID3. And the whole stand of Volkswagen was plastered with these things. I mean, there was like 10, I think, in total. So, Eric, you've seen the concept car, you've seen the show car, you've seen now the production car. What do you think? Uh, well, <laughs> it's funny that you would lead with the VW because I would lead with the Porsche. In my opinion, the Panamera, or the rather the Taycan, was the star of the show. Um, but if you want to talk Volkswagen, we talk Volkswagen. It's not the same story over Volkswagen, unfortunately. In my opinion, it was, um, you know, it's still Volkswagen. It looks like Volkswagen, but it's nothing particularly groundbreaking. And it's certainly not... Um, well resolved in my opinion there's a lot of things a lot of unanswered questions a lot of reasons like why was this done like there's this like black applique on the hood now, I didn't speak to anybody about this maybe some designers can answer some questions here for me but at the same time I think if a design doesn't speak for itself and needs explanation then it's really not very good now unfortunately from my perspective I'm looking at that car and I'm thinking there's so many issues that I have with it and um, you know most people know me. I generally like to be positive in my, you know, what it is that I talk about. Um, I like uh, a lot of people at Volkswagen. I think they've done some extremely good things. But with the death of uh, Paige, unfortunately, there's been some corners cut. And you can see that from just the overall resolution of that design. Now, if you just take one element, besides the hood black applique thing that I have no idea what it's there for, there's this... Um, trim element over the DLO, which is not even a straight trim line. It's not even one piece. There's this cut over like the the C pillar, where you're like, why is it there? I don't. I, I really don't understand why that's there. Now, also, most there is a, a lot of different things going on in terms of colorways, in terms of personalization for that vehicle. But there's a lot like of things that I don't understand, like. Why would you make this car, electric though it may be, appliance though it may be, 
with a white steering wheel. Yeah. When the hell, who the hell wants yes. a white interior in a car? Yes. That is going to be looking like crap in no time. And, and that's just a shame. So there's a lot of elements also. What's up with like little buttons and like, mm. you know, I don't, I mean, I went in there and I sat through a whole explanation, you know, wanting to give the car the benefit of the doubt, sat down and watched the whole kind of HMI and, you know, there were people on hand to kind yeah, of talk yeah. you, walk you through it. And there are some really cool, like, you know, um, sounds that are played when you, you know, you touch certain commands and, you know, um, your voice activated, of course. I mean, there's a lot of cool, interesting things, but I think the way that that UI and that interface works is not ideal and there's still like redundant stuff going on and it's just that whole HMI and that whole UI is yeah, not yeah. like you know up to par so I was quite disappointed unfortunately but I was speaking to someone last night and I think ultimately because the pie share is over it's very much a, it's as good enough yeah let's get it out the door it's gonna be available in six months order books open now and you know, if China gravitates towards the VW brand as they have in the past, this is going to put a lot of people out of business over there yeah. because the VW badge. I mean, you know, it might not be golf level quality, but it is good enough, and it's way better than some of these things that we've seen coming out of Chinese car. You, you you mentioned something very interesting, and I think what what you just mentioned in terms of the design issues that the whole thing has comes through the pressure of pricing. Developing a electric platform is very expensive, mm. and we will come to that later on with other electric cars that are present over here. And the build quality of this entire car is not anywhere close onto the Volkswagen level that we expected. Absolutely. I mean, our producer Eddie and I, yesterday evening before the end of the show, we were actually like sitting in the car as well, like about 15 minutes, and. Uh, you know, Sam Livingston from Car Design Research joined us and he was sitting on the bench right behind us. And we're having a really, really good conversation and Sam said something like, really interesting is, this is not a revolution that the Golf used to be. Mm. If you look back into like the 1970s Golf, you know, the Jujaro Golf came out and it was clearly the successor of the Beetle. This feels much more like an e-Golf. And it's not the same quality as a Golf because the platform is so much more expensive that it simply feels cheap. And the problem is, and what you just mentioned, is this car will only come out in Europe first. Uh, it will take about a year or a year and a half if that comes out in China, which is a major market for them. So this will be presented in, uh, in Europe first to a first edition price of 40,000 euros. Just to give you a little bit of an idea, the car that you see behind us, which is the Byton, in the configuration that it's here in the production version, is 45,000 euros. Yeah? The car that we're going to talk about later, the Honda, in its high spec, is going to be 30,000 euros, which is the low spec uh, Volkswagen, uh, you know, ID3. So for me, it doesn't really show that it's a Volkswagen, and the design doesn't help it, because what I see in the car is, you know, Volkswagen has always been a bit positively bland yeah they were always conservative they were a bit quiet they wanted to be you know an appealing car for the masses but this one is not doing that anymore this one is just boring and you know that's something that I just didn't like about it and unfortunately if you would ask me today why did so many people like pre-order the car I couldn't tell you 
because I'm so disappointed with the with the um, with the build quality, is that I would say just like if you if you paid like thirty thirty five thousand euro for that thing, that's not a good investment, quite honestly saying, you know. And from a design perspective, you know that goes hand in hand with the design quality that goes to it. So um, yeah, so I'm 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 not majorly happy about it. But what I do like, and you mentioned this just now, and the reason why I wanted to kind of open up with the with the with the Volkswagen was to have that kind of move over to the really positive side of what EV can look like. Obviously, completely different price class is the Taken, the Porsche one, which I think it was really annoying that it didn't have the world premiere here because it would have boosted the show to a massive amount. Would have brought way more people in here. Oh, it's still hugely popular. It, it is still hugely popular. They have a lot of them around here as well, like five, I think, on the on the show stand. Um, so, what do you, you already mentioned? You like the Taken, but show us a little bit more why you like it and what do you like about it. Well, I like the Taken for a number of different reasons. I want to go back to what you said about VW very briefly, though. It's like, it hasn't always been boring. I would say that it's just quality design. It's not, you know, you know, extremely inspiring, you know, perhaps. Yeah, but but I, it's always been very good, very well resolved, very pure, and very well done. And certainly Walter De Silva had a lot to do with that, and Aisha as well. Now, the Taycan, what I like about it is it's pure, it's simple, and it's unmistakably Porsche. You cannot say that that is any other product um, and you know arguably the Volkswagen if you took away the badge in the interior for example it could be any could be anything, anything. <laughs> could be anything. it's very true so, very true um, you know and what I love about Porsche as well is yes it is expensive but in terms of quality like you know what you're getting with a Porsche there is it's unmistakable from a brand identity perspective, from a servicing perspective, the volumes, the proportions of that car, everything is damn near perfect. And it's so close to the Mission E, which is unveiled, what, four years ago? Um, they probably, uh, you know, always intended it to be as such. And I think it's uh, just absolutely, massively, massively appealing. Um, from, you know, I mean, I love to drive. That's my main reason for being in this entire business. I love cars, I love to drive. And that is a car that I would see myself in yeah. quite easily. Yeah. I just really love everything about that from a you know, sustainable performance perspective. Like, I mean, let's, you know, I mean, even if we don't start talking numbers and compare it to, uh, you know, the, the every, what everybody else has been comparing it to, I think it's an incredibly interesting proposition, even at the price point that it is. Which is about 150 grand plus euros, that is. So it is very expensive. I, I don't want to play devil's advocate too much on the Porsche because I, I do like the car. What I would like to say, however, is it only functions in white with the Mission E wheels. They had a blue version on there with Panamera wheels. I think it's actually the Panamera wheels and they just updated them a little bit. And because the white brings out the graphics of the car so well, if the car gets a color, and I think it has more to do with the dark color, and you see them beside you and you put it next to a Panamera, for example, you do clearly see that it's not that much different. Obviously, the wheelbase is a little bit different from what it looks like. But well, it's it, a much bigger car, the Panamera. Uh, the Panamera is a much bigger car, but you don't see that kind of an evolution as you do see when it's white. And maybe that's just me personally, because we obviously saw the Mission E in white. 
but for me, I, like it was literally that point. It's like I, I was actually in Stuttgart a few weeks ago, so I saw the the, the, te the test cars and the prototype cars driving on the roads and everything, and that was in black. And I saw it in black, and I was like, look, even if they have the few stickers on there and stuff like that, you can clearly have an idea what the car is. And it's already very close to a Panamera, in that sense. When I see it in blue as a production version, apart from the front, it's not that much where I say, like, okay, is that a clear distinction of the electric car to the other Porsches, which is maybe what they intended to be, you know? And, but it's still a great-looking exterior, let's put it that way. The front is fantastically well-resolved. It's really nice. The only thing that I would criticize, again, is the build quality on the interior. You know, for 150 grand, that is, you know, if I spoke to someone earlier, if I spec that car up and it goes to 200 grand, and I could get a Bentley for 200 grand, this car is a disgrace <laughs> compared to the Bentley. Yeah, it's quite harsh, it's quite harsh, but at the same time, you know, if you have that money and you get that kind of quality on the interior, mm, I would have hoped for a bit more for the amount of money that they're making. Um, but obviously Porsche is the most profitable um, car company in the world. So there's a reason why they, why they do things like that. That's the only little setback I have. Interior-wise, I like it. It's clean. The displays are well-resolved. The UI is great. It's simple. There's not too much. It's still unmistakably a sports car. Yeah? But you still can take your family with it. So from that perspective... All okay with me. Like I said, I um, have to kind of, you know, be a bit picky from time to time with certain things. But the Taken is definitely one of the stars of the show. If not, some people say yes, some people say no, the star of the show. Yeah, I would agree with the latter. Um, now, obviously, it's been displayed before, but I think it is definitely the star of the show. And I would have to argue with you on the interior quality because I think Porsche has always been up there, and I think it still is on this. And also with the Bentley comment, because this is a very, very different proposition than a Bentley. If you're not going to buy a Porsche Taycan if you're going to cross-shop it with a Bentley. Price point regardless. So... Anyway, that is my take on it. The only thing that I would say negatively on that car is what is up with the stupid name? <laughs> Come on now, Turbo? That is ridiculous. That's it. Let's leave it there. So, moving on. What's next to the Porsche is the Stutter. Cupra. True. Cupra. Cupra is in the middle between Porsche and, uh, and uh, Volkswagen. Yes. And it's a little bit hidden, actually, in, you know, with, the, with, with these kind of big two electric vehicles. But actually, the Tarascan, I think it's called, the concept yes. car, yes. was probably the best show car of the Volkswagen group mm. that was on display there. They won a lot, but this one was actually really good. We did really enjoy it. We had a nice conversation with Alejandro about it as well. Mm. Yeah, not much else to say. This was really good. Great, I think it's great. Great color trim again. I mean, I've said this before. But the guys over at Steyr, they've just have figured out a really nice color trim, um, a, a, a superb blue as well. I think we've seen this blue once already, but the color, incredible. It's a matte blue. I just absolutely love it. The bronze kind of points to it. You know, they, they know what they want to do with the logo. They know how to implement the logo uh, into the lighting and everything. It's just well done and... We're actually hoping that this will get close to production. Alejandro told us it's very far it's advanced. It's very, very near production. Yeah, it's very it's far only advanced. millimeters off, I think, in terms of height and 
things like that. Obviously, it's a concept car. They're allowed to cheat a little bit in terms of wheel size and height. Yeah, and width a little bit as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we, we were quite impressed. It was one of the first cars that we saw. Mm. And uh, it obviously stuck to uh, stuck to our mind. So yeah, I, I really I really do like it. I think for you know what it is an electric SUV. It's just the right amount of sporty. It's also elegant. It's got that Spanish flair. I like what they're doing in terms of graphics, the grill, the, the car with shark nose front end. Um, there's a lot of things to like on that car, and I think for the market, um, you know, especially on the interior, as you mentioned, color and trim, lighting wise. I mean. There's a lot of really cool elements within that vehicle, and I think they kind of hit the nail on the head with that. I think it's going to be a very successful product, and I really, yeah, I'm very proud of uh, what the Seat team Agreed. has uh, accomplished with that work. Uh, it's not a separate Cooper team, but nonetheless, the Cooper brand is giving them, um, you know, a certain amount of uh, legal where they can create something that is quite specific and different than anything that we've seen coming out of Seattle, Volkswagen Group in general, and they're playing on that and they're doing a well, very, very good and job It's on a bit that. more upmarket as well and you yeah. can see that as well. And look, a lot of people think they know what luxury is, what premium is. You don't have to be in those kind of markets to make good quality cars and Cupra is showing exactly that. And that's what I like about it. It's, it's not a wannabe. They know what they are. They know in which kind of market they want to move into. They know what they build customers that they want. And they do that extremely well. So I'm very much looking forward to production version of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that's going to come out soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Seth as a whole within the VW group, they're doing tremendously well. And so... Hats off to everyone over there at uh, at the same team. Correct. Um, so moving on then, um, Skoda, you said you wanted to talk Skoda, about... Skoda, just very briefly actually, because they showed the um, Superb IV or Superb 4. I'm not quite sure which is the right probably, name. Probably, probably 4, I'd say. <laughs> the IV would, be, I, IV would be really strange, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this was actually a show car that was very, very near to production and had a really, really cool color, like the, the, the yellow gold coloring before. This is the production version of it in blue. And the reason why I just wanted to include it, it's just like kind of same to, like as this is with Seat and with Cupra, is to kind of just show you don't need to have much money to do good cars. Obviously, you know, Seat is in a, in a good kind of, oh, sorry, Skoda is in a good kind of direction and they have the, uh, the platform of Volkswagen, which helps them to save some money. Well, they're just making solid, good cars. That's the point. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people sometimes forget to do with all the gadgets and all these things, is making solidly good cars. And that's why I wanted to include Skoda, because I think for what it is, it's great. All right. I'm, I didn't, you know, I mean, I agree with you. Skoda's doing very well. Um, I didn't actually spend much time on that stand at all, so I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh. But um, I did pass by the Audi stand, and that's something that yeah. I'd like to actually discuss. Audi is here showing all four electric vehicles that they've produced, so from the PB18 to what we saw in Shanghai, the AIME. The AI series, I think it is. Yes, absolutely, yes. And so this is the, what is it called? AI... Trails? AI Trails. Okay, so it's a four-wheel drive, off-road concept, mono-volume box thing, and it's completely at odds with (laughs) VW, uh, or what Audi has done in the past. But it is, you know, very much in your face. Now, I mean, you you know, you've spoken to some people about this. You've gotten I some have, feedback. 
Um, I actually haven't spent that much time looking at that vehicle, I must confess, and um, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, it's not that big of a show, but I just, you know, I, I didn't spend that much time. First of all, it was like, for, for such a big stand, they're showing a hell of a lot of cars, and, you know, Audi knows usually how to display. I mean, I remember like one display in LA, I think it was, they had all these different cars laid out with the different colors, red, yeah, white, and yeah, blue, yeah. and it was just a fantastic display. This is not a fantastic display. For a German home show, the cars are too damn close together, you can't even get around it. It's just really, really tight, and there's a lot of people, obviously, because Audi is a very important brand and very interesting brand and there's way too many damn people on the stand yeah and so I mean I was like yeah maybe I'm just getting too old for this but <laughs> I couldn't be around all that many people and so I, I missed out a lot on that car so maybe you're a better place to give us an it's, opinion on that I, I mean I've, I've spoken to a new number of people now because it was quite a surprise I mean it's it's an off-roader it's a 4x4 and it's supposed to be a fun car. And I, I just don't understand why Audi would show something like that. And I'm not really a big fan because it's... I, I read a Twitter, you know, like someone posted something on Twitter. And I think that that's what captured it really, really well. And I, I do apologize uh, that I can't remember who actually uh, tweeted. But it says like, you know, a RCA 2002 student wants a student project back. <laughs> And that's exactly what it is. Um, harsh, but, yeah. <laughs> but compared to the AI Me, to the you know the AI Con, and also to the PB18, this doesn't fit the build. You know, the PB18 could be reinterpreted as an R8 successor, mm. like a racing car. Um, the AI Me could be a successor to the A1. You know, the AI Con could have been a um, a successor to an A5 or something mm. like that. So you saw that you know the kind of development and like the thinking that behind it and I understand like young people told me like, yeah but you know what about Quadro and I was like but Quadro was a technology it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something that Audi was famous for just because of one car like a G-Class for example or what we come to later a Defender mm-hmm. so still in rallying I mean Quadro definitely has a space um, yes. but this is not that this is not a rally car this is pretty much like a G-Class which drives autonomously, which I don't personally understand. Why would I want to go off-road autonomously? I go off-road because I want to go off-road and I want to drive off-road. Yeah? And I agree. I think a lot of people, what, what I have been told is the story is good that they want to portray with this, the fun part and the all the kind of things. But the problem is you have a show which is on the edge. I mean, we never know if there's going to be another Frankfurt in 2021. Yeah? And you show something which has nothing to do with the future of the mobility sector. Mm. You know, there's, it's nothing about city life, mega city life, autonomous life, all those kind of things that is actually relevant. You know, the AI me, I understand. The AI con, I understand. Like, even the PV18, I do understand. But this one, for a home show... It's just like, it, it, you know, you have the feeling either we take a student project or, crap, we have to do something and we do it in like two months. Yeah? That was the reason, like the feeling that I had, which is quite sad because I was looking forward to an Audi show car around here because usually they're quite good. This one, however, was, was really a disappointment. And the entire Audi stand, it was just too packed, too many cars on there. It, you know, you go on there and you want to get off pretty much right away. It's too dark, sometimes it's too light. The lighting really was not, you know, balanced out. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was, uh, was quite a bit of a disappointment. 
and uh, moving moving on from disappointments and uh, let's say very very special cars for very special people uh, the Lamborghini Sian is the oh. last one in, in, in that new uh, in, in the Volkswagen Group Hall V12 hybrid fastest Lamborghini ever had some kind of crazy coloring like a gold you know a lot of gold in there a lot of carbon on there and very extreme <laughs> we had a bunch of people we're not going to name them uh, but you know they, they work for like let's say sports car manufacturers and you know let's say higher level cars they said maybe we should go up to them and ask for some lines back that we can put on our cars <laughs> so there's a lot going on on that kind of car a lot going on on the Lambo yeah so I don't know I mean I'm kind of bored by hypercars at this stage. It's like, you know, there's a whole bunch coming. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Lamborghini, they're making some really interesting stuff. They always have. It's a very specific kind of design language, very hard, very aggressive. And, you know, Misha Borkart came in at that time when, you know, he's got to follow what it is that's been kind of, you know, that line that's been in the sand. He's got to... He's got to progress, and that's going to be a hard task, and he's only been there for a little while. I mean, you know, this is pretty much one of the, you know, he's been doing a lot of one-off projects under his direction. There's been a lot of one-off projects that have been done. I have no idea powertrain, I have no idea, like, performance figures on it, or or, um, numbers on this car, like, in terms of sales, what it is they want to do. It's probably another one-off. 63. 63, thank you, yeah. I actually read that. So, it has some symbolism, again, because... Um, you know, has to do with the construction year or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, there is some symbolism in it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I think if you look at it, and again, I don't know what it's based on, right? But if you're talking V12, thinking Aventador or something, right? It's really long. Um, what it is that is interesting, I suppose, is in the lighting in the front and the rear. And that's probably the one thing that did grab my attention. The rest of it, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm not like, you know, I like Mitcha, I like what's going on over there. Um, but another supercar, it's like, and again, there aren't, there's no supercars here. There's no McLaren, there's no um, yeah, Aston Martin, there's nothing. Um, so that's pretty much the only supercar manufacturer. And still, I, I don't know, I, it, it is aggressive, it is exciting, but I'm not excited by it, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No, and that's fair enough. I mean, it's still unmistakably a Lamborghini. Yeah, so if you like these kind of cars, you will like that one as well. If you don't like these cars, you won't like this one. It's not a. It's uh, it's a small evolution. The evolution is mainly about power, about speed, but it's not a design evolution. I think you know that's. I do like the the headlamps though. It's got this kind of DeLorean, like Back to the Future, you know. Um, kind of, you know, Y shape, which is also kind of a, a, a repeating thing. You know, there's an evolution also in the the, the tail lamps, you know, again, playing on the hexagonal theme, yeah. which is what uh, Lamborghini is very well known yeah. for. But, um, you know, it's 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 evolved a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain minor elements where there have been some changes in wanting to move the, the, the product forward. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think we should move forward. Let's move forward. And um, let's because move forward. we're only on the second hall and there's still two more to cover. And um, right now we are in Hall 8. This is Hall so 8, yes. Hall 8, a.k.a. the China slash 
Um, <laughs> Japan hole? Is that Jap the best one? China slash Japan <laughs> slash, like, I mean, behind suppliers. us is Brembo, Vallejo, I mean, crazy suppliers. And like Ford. And Ford. <laughs> so, very interesting um, dynamic over here um, in this hall. Um, but I would say the standout is the stand that we're on right now, which is the Byton um, production car now, finally. We've been seeing this tease for a very long time, probably Vegas, what, two years ago? Uh, Vegas 2018 was the first concept. Okay. And then we just saw the concept, and this is the full production car. I think yeah. they've shown some teaser pictures of the production car, um, and this is actually how it's going to be built. And it does have the big screen in it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people doubted that they will be able to do it. It is a 49-inch screen. They compare Coast it to like seven iPads next to each other. <laughs> it is a massive screen. But one has to like, if you if, if you actually sit in it, and it's not as overwhelming as you think it is. I mean, you you see the screen, and a lot of people thought like, oh, can you even still drive in the whole thing, or is like the the screen pretty much half of your windshield? No, like the screen from an ergonomics perspective works actually very well. And you would not expect that if you, when you see that car from the outside or you hear something about that. But it is something that we will have to get used to. Yeah, because it's so different. Uh, you have very few buttons in there. Uh, you control it with a little touchpad where usually your, your armrest is. And so it is definitely something very, very new. And I think time will tell if this really kicks off, especially from the interior. If you walk around here, um, Unfortunately, a lot of people actually look at the design because they look at the HMI and the UI. But Benoit, when we spoke with him, he said, look, wait until the production car comes out because I think it's going to be better than the concept car. And I think it is. You know, for a production car, for a first company, a Chinese company, it is actually not bad. Yep. I would agree. I mean, I think they've done a really good job. But again, it brings in the issue of the screens. I mean, like, in that car, there's not only the main massive screen. Um, obviously, you, you're right. You operate it through, you know, your hand. Or through another screen on the steering wheel, which... Yeah. It's like we're in peak screen territory over here. It can't get more. Like, you don't need that many screens. And again, like, yeah, perhaps when you're driving around, it's not going to be a, that big of an issue. But I question driving around at night with that screen on. Like, I mean, I don't know how that's going to impact you from a visibility standpoint. Like, you know, sure, if it's purely autonomous and you're watching this massive screen and it's emitting light because that's what they do, um, you know, it, it'll be fine. But we're not there yet. You know, we're not. We still have to drive cars. And that's the thing that people just don't really get. You know, they're employing all of these designers in automotive manufacturers, startups, even in established companies that have, you know, um, some UX, UI experience, but they're not coming from automotive. At the end of the day, you need to know how, you know, to drive, how to operate a car, um, because that's fundamentally the issue that, you know, that's the objective when you get behind the wheel. You still have to pilot the car. Yeah. Um, so I think, I don't know. I, I've yet to drive one. Certainly not. I have not driven one. I have not driven one at we, night. We, we I have actually, no idea what the deal is. We were is. actually in the seat uh, for CES. Yeah, I was we were there. not driving, of course. No. But like, uh, it we was had a full day idea. time as well. Yeah. Like you know, we didn't have like you know, the screen itself is not obtrusive. But again, it's like. Do you need that many screens? You know, why don't you just have that one big screen doing everything for you? Do you need the screen in the steering wheel? Do you need the one in the 
in the you know um, center console or in the you know no I, I mean, in my opinion you just need a head-up display that's it um, you know and again like I've mentioned this in the past I'm not a big advocate of screens because again the task at hand is driving like and I've said this before one of my favorite ever cars is the a7 the previous generation not the new one um, and previous generation a6 where you would press a button and the screen would retract into yeah. the IP. And yeah. I love that because yeah. I know how to get to work. I don't need to be looking at a map all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know the commute. I've been doing it 10 years. I don't need screens taking over my cabin space. Yeah. I want to say one thing about this. and I'm What I like about it is just, it's just trying new things. And of course, you can talk about, you know, you can like it and you cannot like it. And I give everybody, you know, the opinion that they want to have. But it is trying something new. It is not just copying what everybody else is doing. It is really pushing the effort of what else can we do to maybe step ahead. Yeah. So this is the, um, this is the thing for me. It's like it's trying something new. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I'll leave that up to you. But I do appreciate it. And I think time will tell what's going to happen with it. And I'm absolutely happy. I'm absolutely fine with it. Uh, like I said, the exterior is plain solid. Probably one of the best Chinese cars oh, from that side. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, definitely, uh, absolutely no problem about that. But we will see what's going to happen with it. Yeah? And this is where the driving experience will help us. But speaking of big screens, straight over there, we've talked about this before, but we just have to mention this. It's the final version of the Honda e um, which is pretty cool. It has quite a big screen in there as well. Not as big as the Byton. Obviously, doesn't have the um, uh, the touch screen in the middle, so it works a little bit differently. But it is just such a cute little car. Of course, a lot of people in the design community will say it is not as great as the EV concept. Yeah, but it's still a standout car in terms of product design itself. Especially if you're walking around the show, yeah, and try to find something that just is. A more kind of pops into your eye right away, um, and we had a little bit of fun in it and said a little bit in it. It was really good fun. Don't need to talk about it that much, simply because we we talked about it a few times already. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen that car unveiled in Geneva. I think it's massively diluted from the concept. Um, it's a shame that it is. The interior is quite nice. Again, massive screen, not nearly as big as this. Oh, the, the, there's some celebration going on. There. All right, hooray, hooray. <laughs> So, they do deserve a round of applause. The car is very nice from an exterior perspective, from an interior perspective, from a quality perspective. The only thing is, again, the peak screen issue to me, you know, whether it's the Honda, whether it's this, it's kind of like, you know, you get to the point where, I don't know, this summer I took a little hiatus, for example, on social media. I did not check Instagram, I did not check Facebook, and you know what? I relaxed for a minute and I loved it and it was brilliant and I wouldn't be on social media if I didn't actually need to be. Um, I think that reprieve is kind of what we're going to come to. Right now we're at peak screen, we're at coast to coast, 49 inches, in your face. I think right now it's certainly something that's selling cars, certainly something that's drawing people into showrooms, wanting to buy something new because it's fresh and interesting. People are going to want to unplug at some point. We're going to see reverse of this. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to be, you know, the calm, serene environment where yeah. there's no screens around. You can actually go in there. It's like taking a flight with no internet. How, you know, how relaxed are you? You know, yeah. you watch a couple of movies, you get off, you're like, wow, you know, feel like a new person. Yeah. I think that is 
something that is going to come. I don't know when it's going to come. I'm pretty sure it's going to come because you, it's an overload of information. And that's pretty much my only issue. As a car, as a design, I think this is really well done. I think the proportions are great. I think they went a little heavy on the graphics, but I think that's, again, a Chinese thing. Um, if you compare it to other Chinese model vehicles, yeah. this is actually quite sedate. It is, it is, it is. And, and I think what we can do with that is actually, you know, just use Byton as an example of a very moderate, let's say, global car. You know, it does have some Chinese, you know, Chinese influence, but this is a, a global car. Now, Byton is right in the middle of uh, FAW's Hongxi brand and Great Wall's Wei brand. And these guys just are completely out of context to this show. Um, you know, Wei came with a couple of show cars with some hideous colors, hideous wheels. They just don't fit in what is happening here. And FAW came with a big-ass SUV, and they came with a supercar. And one has to say, from what we know, none of them have actually been born here in Germany in the German studio, but they have been born in China. But you can just see the difference, and you can see that these companies, even if they have the ambition to come over to Europe, they don't get what Europe or the Western world is. They work in China because they are Chinese. But they don't work over here because the taste over here is a little bit different. And this is, I think, the accomplishment of the Biden as well, is to find somewhere in the middle. It's not going to be... You know, the Biden's not going to compete with, I don't know, like an Audi or something like that, but it will find its class to sell enough cars. Whereas the Waze, unless they're just super cheap, why would anybody buy those? You know, it's the same with the, with the Hongshis. From a pure design perspective, they just can't compete. Um, not on terms of what we're seeing over here. The production cars are actually better than the, uh, than the concept cars. The production cars that are here are actually because they're on, on sale in China and they are plain solid and for the price that are being sold in China, they're actually great value because the quality, because the production cost is just lower in China, is very good. But in terms of the, 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 the presence that they have over here, you know, you have to imagine the press conference for these two companies were all in Chinese. Everyone else, you know, does it in English or in German. It's the same when you go to France, you know. You see that there's a certain kind of discrepancy still ongoing. And if they come here, obviously the people are going to be happy because the halls are filled. But this is not how you make the move over to the, to the Western market. I think this is not necessarily the right move forward, especially like with Hongxi, which is not going to come to Germany or like to Europe anyways, and then showing kind of some strange things. Yeah, I mean, um, I know it costs uh, quite a bit of money to show here, to be in Frankfurt, to have a stand here. And, um, you know, Way is kind of still treading on the design that was kind of laid out under the direction of Pierre Leclerc. Correct. And, um, you know, that, you know, from a range perspective is, is fine. Like, I'm not, you know, I agree with you in terms of, like, colors and things. The interior is kind of still old school, even on this Way, whatever it is, uh, Way X concept, which is the brand new one for this show. Um, anyway, it's... It's quite a bit disappointing, but there are, you know, it's a it's a luxury SUV brand put out by Great Wall, which is, you know, the number one selling SUV uh, brand in China. Now, I'm not mad at it. It's fine. Whatever. Like, you know, it, it'll be easily forgotten, like you say. 
But um, FAW, now that's something that I was actually expecting something, you know. The Hongxi was built as the, you know, the dignitary ride, you know, the red yes. flag, like the, the, the car that all of the, you know, politicians uh, the, the yeah, big guys the in big china guys you know the the, the the really successful like people in government would like drive around and so i fully expected not even the cadillac of of china but the rolls royce of china right especially because geos taylor was hired but again as you mentioned he is running the european design studio um however as a brand it seems like FAW or Hongxi, I should say, is lost. They showed two concepts, one of which is a massive SUV with no interior. The other one is a model of an Aston Martin, perhaps. It's, I, I understand that Chinese car makers would want to showcase bandwidth. Certainly FAW has, you know, uh, is a massive car maker in China and has a certain amount of bandwidth, but I think they should pick something and develop yeah. a strategy and go down that route. If you're developing a big SUV, Go down the biggest SUV route. If you're going, you know, supercar, like, you know, track day supercar or whatever, go down that route. But I think it's just, it's there's just too much uh, discrepancy between those two different typologies. And I think it's very difficult to fill, the, you know, for that. Now, perhaps it's just an old mentality of mine. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, there is that bandwidth within the brand. I personally don't think so. But I think the most disappointing thing for me was, from a design perspective, again, no interior on this uh, on, on this, this SUV. Either, yeah. And but it, why? Okay, so the thing is massive. It's like five, maybe like five and a half meters. It's like an six X7 meters plus. You know, it's, like, it's, it's huge. massive. And I'm not a big fan of you know ostentatious grills and whatnot, but. I think the thing that bothers me the most is all of the detailing on that car is bright chrome, like bright chrome. And then there's this side vent a la Range Rover, yeah. a vertical vent that's gold plated. Why is it gold? <laughs> I just, I don't understand why it's gold. I just, it's so shocking, so jarring to have that. And then from the badge as well, there's this like line up on top of the hood, which is another, you know, decor piece, which is gold. Those are the only two elements that are gold on the car. I don't know. It's to me. I just. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And um, it's, yeah. But it's 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 again. It's on the one hand, it's almost like the cliche Chinese wannabe luxury car, like to show us something like you know, maybe this is what the Chinese luxury guys want. I don't know. You know. That's, that's something that we can always speculate about. But if you see that in a Rolls-Royce, the Rolls-Royce is not that extreme. There's always something classy about it. You can obviously destroy a Rolls-Royce as well, you know, let's be honest. But at the same time, it's just not the same thing. Mm. But let's move on. Yes. Let's and move out of Hall 8. Let's get out of Hall 8, yeah. And let's go, let's go actually to our favorite hall. Um, so we're going to be talking about Land Rover. We're going to be talking about Hyundai. And we're going to be talking about BMW. Yes. What do you want to start with? So, Hall 11 was, I mean, I spent probably my, my, the most of my time over there in Hall 11. Me too, um, yeah. I really did enjoy it. Um, and again, like, let's go back to our earlier point, which was back in the day, <laughs> BMW owned all of Hall 8, uh, uh, yeah. all of Hall 11. Yeah. They had a racetrack in there. Like, it was massive. It was all BMW. And this year, BMW is occupying a space in the way, way back. 
and sharing the hall with Land Rover, Alpina, um, Hyundai, Hyundai, Opal. Uh, Opal is in there. I mean, Mini is in there as well. Crazy. So everybody's in there. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm going to start with the first one that we see when we come in, um, which is the uh, Land Rover. I guess it's not really the first one. I mean, it's kind of tied, you know. On the on the right is is Hyundai, which we'll get to. On the on the left is Land Rover, Land Rover. with the new Defender, and the new Defender has been a long time in the making. Uh, you know, something that people have been waiting for forever. And you know, they went back to the drawing board once after they're showing the first concept. Uh, this has evolved a bit. Um, is definitely way nicer than the original concept, the DC one hundred. Yeah, yeah. And um, that is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a really. I think it's a home run for the car, for the brand. Um, it's obviously a very, very different proposition than any yes. Defender beforehand. They're hitting a totally different demographic. This is not a farmer's car, not by a long shot. Especially when you consider it starts at what sixty k. Um, so, and once you start kitting it out with with uh, options and stuff, you're easily in the eighty, ninety thousand, um, you know, euro or pound oh, yeah, mark. Easy, easy. I think the first one that sold. Was uh, over a hundred and a hundred and ten, maybe a hundred and fourteen, and change. Yeah. The first orders that came in yesterday, um, and that is a chunk of money to spend on uh, what has become essentially, a, you know, no longer like I said, a farmer's vehicle, but a, a very much an adventure, um, you know, vehicle yeah. and something yeah. that is going to um, speak to your personality yeah. your you know sense of adventure and you know wanting to go out there and experience the, the meaning the, the meaning and rightfully so because we're living in a different age of the defender has now changed yeah. this is not the kind I think this was the best kind of explanation that I had this is not the car that you're gonna buy to have patina on it yeah? this is a car that you want to take care of so that it's not gonna have scratches on it that it's not gonna have um, holes in it and all these kind of things. You know, the first kind of Defender, it wasn't great to drive, but it was easy to maintain. So the people loved it because it was relatively cheap, it was easy to maintain, it was easy to get spare parts for it, and you can do whatever whatever you want with it. This one is much more a modern-day SUV 4x4, and it looks very modern and it looks good. I personally prefer the smaller version. So there's the Land Rover Defender 90, which is a two-door. And then there's the 110, which is the four-door. I personally love the smaller one. I just think it looks a little bit neater. It looks a little bit more, you know, like a, like, like just like a cool car. The bigger one is just like, oh, you know, you can fit your family in there and stuff like that. But that brings me to one point. It's not as big as you think it is because if you have the four-door one and you try to and you want to sit in the back, I'm quite tall. So if I if I move back, um, then what's going to happen is there's not much space in the back. Actually, I think the five-door is better resolved than the three personally because I like the length of the 110 over the 90, and I think there's a bit more room because of that clearly in the rear. Sure. So I saw it, and it seemed like there was more than enough space. Um, what's interesting about it is there's this huge center console in between the two, so it's kind of like not as bad as the Hummer like H1 where you had basically an island between you and then you were stuck in the corner. Imagine military people riding that way. But nonetheless, um, I think it's a really appealing proposition. Um, it's not as great as some people make it out to be. I mean, look, it's fairly simple. It's not as you know utilitarian and, and rudimentary, say, as its forebearer. But its forebearer had a lot of appeal. 
And I think there's still a huge market for that vehicle. So the new one is very Tonka toy-ish. Um, there's a load of accessories that you can pop in there. And like I said, there's so many different variations. So you mentioned earlier about this thing not going off-road. Let's hope it doesn't because who knows what's going to happen with the dirt that gets kicked out <laughs> in that rear tail lamp section. Basically, it's like a 3D thing with like two like very... Yeah, shall we say technically advanced stuff from yeah, a Land Rover yeah. perspective um, but there's like two voids which in the rear of this car it's like I mean that's just going to be like a mud caked thing or imagine cleaning that out anyway um, I'm, de de I'm deviating now but um, so anyway, let's get back on point the thing is it's a very Tonka toy-ish thing in terms of like what you can get from a model perspective so the one again to your point there's one called the Urban, which has much larger wheels and all the rest. And, you know, clearly it's, you know, you know who they're targeting, right? But I still think that people will use that from as an adventure mobile, you know, from an off-road perspective. It's certainly going to be capable as a Land Rover. I personally love driving off-road. Um, you know, it's something that I kind of uh, developed when I during my days living out in California. And you can drive anywhere in the yeah, desert yeah. in Hensabrego. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, but and and so, you know, I would definitely you know consider putting one of those in my garage, um, you know, if I had the opportunity to be driving off road. But again, we're probably going to see those things driving around in Chelsea, um, and they are quite fashionable. And yep. again, for someone that wants to showcase that adventurous lifestyle, the one issue that I will raise, however, is I think these things must have been pre-production. Oh, you know, they only opened the order books yesterday. They want to showcase a bunch of different variations. So the show stand is full of cars. One of which is this little three-door with the Steelys. Some people really like the Steelys. I'm not a big fan. But anyway, it's a different aesthetic and it's interesting. The design did manage to put that forward. What is, um, but that in particular, that one was like a work truck and it had like, yeah. you know, it was no interior. It was like, you know, totally like boarded up, closed off. The one thing that I will say is that from if you're spending 80K, which is, you know, probably what the majority of these things are going to sell for, a mid-level trim, yeah. um, the quality on the interior is definitely lackluster for something at that 100%, price point. 100%. You know, I don't think it's definitely... And one of the things also that shocked the hell out of me, I'm 5'9", so, you know, if you only use the air vents on the top, there's the... the so... The, it's the way that they're placed there's this ledge on the ip which is you know quite thick and pronounced and i guess it's to protect you and mm -hmm. you know off-road so you don't knock yourself on these things but at the same time the ledge kind of does this whereby the air vent is kind of here so if you're looking at the air vent and you try to angle it downwards like my face might get some air but my body will not because it can't clear that ledge so yeah, yeah. i don't know i mean there's certain things that you were like shit man you had so much time to do this since the last one it's like that to me is just not considered mm -hmm. and I, I, I don't know so and that's the one thing maybe I'm being too picky maybe people that buy this are like quite happy to you know, just no, but I hundred. I want eighty k and I be like whatever. But I one hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree. I mean, we were in the car together, and we we both had that feeling about the production quality. Yeah, you know? and I would say, JLR always had some issues with production quality, but if we look back with the Velar, especially like the high range Velar, which the only problem that I had was like the touch screens and like you saw the fingerprints and everything. But I was like, okay, cool, I can. It doesn't look good, but it's. I, I can understand you have to make some kind of calls. 
but if I this is the thing for me is like you know it, it's kind of a fashion statement you know it's like it's like you buy like I don't know like a Louis Vuitton like an MS purse or whatever or like you know a handbag and you know it's technically of an okay quality but you don't buy it because it's the highest quality out there you buy it because you want to buy it for the name and this is for me exactly the same thing I think they want to because they put so much money into all of their platforms, they have to become much more profitable. Obviously, JLR had a lot of problems. Tata had some problems as well. So these things must sell. And so they have to increase probably the profit margin on these cars. And you can see that in the interior. Yeah? Similar to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the Volkswagen, I think. You know, it's about how do, you make them, how do you make this profitable? Obviously, the Defender is a little bit of a different range because it's not an electric car. It would be great if it would be an electric car. It would be really cool. But at the same time, that's really the disappointing part for me because I do like it. It's such a cool, almost I want to say toy, you know? But it's just this, this tiny little bit missing. And I think this is what sets the Taken apart because we had this conversation yesterday and I did say I do prefer the Defender. I was not sitting in a Defender yesterday, so I only saw the designer I saw it from the outside. So what happened was I said, look, I like the Defender better because I just like the design better. Now, having sit in, you know, I, I said in both the Defender and the Taken, I would pick the Taken every single day because the overall package is just better. But again, for what the evolution of the Defender is, you know, it's not necessarily a revolution. The revolution comes in how we have to see what this car is nowadays, but it is still a Defender. And I think this is where you have to just say congratulations to the, to the Land Rover design team is to have been capable of keeping a basis and keeping a foundation of it that you can see it's a defender. Because that was probably a very difficult task and they have solved it. And for that, I want to say, you know, congratulations because I, I don't know if there's any other projects like that that are so difficult because the car is so unique and it's so recognizable. And they kept it recognizable, but they made it modern. And I don't think it's necessarily their problem that you know the production quality is always it, it's just not that great no I mean it's uh, definitely a, a, a very different proposition from the Taken and I'd like to have both <laughs> in my garage what? So <laughs> you know, drive Defender on the weekend and the Porsche to work every day like or to track every vision you know anyway um, All right. I think those are wonderful uh, designs and two pretty much those are the top two production cars for me, by, you know, for sure. Oh, don't, 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 don't sorry, take sorry. that. Uh, can I go ahead of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so let's, let's move across on Hyundai, Hyundai. Hyundai. And uh, Hyundai have shown us the um, Hyundai 45, which is a concept car based on, or like inspired by the Pony, the first car ever to come out of from Hyundai, which was designed by Jujaro. And... It's actually quite nice. It's very much inspired by the product design aspects. Um, the paint job is actually really cool. Has this kind of matte gray, um, you know, color to it, but it just looks very calm. Looks very nice. Uh, the interior is very good. Something that Hyundai has been working, put a lot of work into the whole thing. So you can see that they're trying to push things. The only thing that I would want to say about it, I do like the whole thing overall. It could have just used two ideally four weeks a bit more of exterior development um, it's on a very good way but you kind of you have a little bit of a feeling like a little bit more time would have done would have made out of a 
a very good show car or a concept car an absolutely exceptional bombshell car that we would have remembered for like you know two or three years so this one definitely one of the very very like you know standouts here at the show but I was you know I would have hoped for give them a little bit more time and hopefully a little bit more time to make it like a really exceptional one um, but that's obviously like you know because we go to so many shows we see a lot of show cars and some of them are really good some of them are just not good but in generally that was a really nice surprise and the teasers uh, paid um, yeah made uh, just yeah paid justice it was really good all right, so here's my take on it. I'm on I'm on, on the fence about Go this on. because I can argue both sides. One, I do like it. I like this mono volume. Certainly, you know, paying homage to the original Pony, 45, the year that have you know passed since Chicharo first came out with that um, Pony Coupe back in um, in '74, uh, um, and you know that car was uh, very you know influential for the brand, and clearly it was the first Hyundai product. Um, and so they wanted to pay homage to that car and, you know, power to them. I like that aspect of it. I love the 70s. I'm a kid, you know, I'm a child of the of the 80s, right? So anything late 70s, 80s reference, I love it, right? There's so many cool um, elements. I'm not a big fan of the wheels and the you know, disco era and all the rest, okay? Um, I quite like the treatment on the wheel arches, you know, that's really cool. I quite like the um, the body side, you know, and how it's really quite simple. It has, you know, again, another story with 45 degree angles and, you know, there's some interesting kind of um, light you know, interaction over there because of that. Um, so it's very, very simple from the aesthetic perspective, and it's got a cool, you know, front end graphic, and you know, the tail lamps is kind of like a little. Um, I mean, it's definitely very digital and very '80s inspired. Um, I think it's a little too simple on the exterior, and I also think that there is nothing to kind of put it in line with current Hyundai products. So it's like, what make, you know, it's really disjointed, you know, from that perspective, right? I-10 also unveiled here, production car, yes, but it's um, a very different proposition from a, from a, force, uh, from a form language, a design language um, perspective. So that is, you know, one of my issues of contention. Again, I love, you know, the people at Hyundai, you know, I really have a lot of respect for everyone on board over there at the team. I know that, you know, you're talking time-wise, that car has developed over a year and a half. For a concept car, that's a damn long time. Um, so it seems like, you know, they had ample time to come up with things. Now, there's another thing, and that's bringing me into the interior. I love the interior. It's great. Take out the Hyundai badge, throw in a VW badge, and it could be a VW. Now, it, you know, I think a lot of the guys have experience at VW. There's a lot about that exterior form language that speaks to that. Basically, on both sides of it, you know, I really like what it is that they've done on the interior. I have a lot of, you know, respect for the guys over at Hyundai, but you can tell that they've all come through the VW system. From an exterior perspective, there is a lot of VW referencing, you know, elements, I would say, from a purity, a simple, you know, perspective. Um, but again, the interior is very much a, it could be a VW product quite easily. Mm -hmm. It could also be a uh, most Volvo uh, branded product. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, Scandinavia is very much on trend right now. We're seeing it in the IP, the treatment of that. But, you know, you look down to details, for example, um, you know, there's a little 45 kind of uh, badge signature on yeah. the uh, 
on like the a Volvo. Uh, yeah, like yeah. a Volvo on the um, on, on the, the, on the, the seats. seats. Um, the you know the seat belts, even you know like the way that the colorways for sure, even the carpet, like within that car, the way that. So there is a lot of kind of inspiration I think that came from from Volvo and certainly from Scandinavia. And yeah. again, you know. Volvo doesn't own Scandinavia, it's very much on trend, but you know, I, I can't help but see the references in that. Um, so again, I like it, but how does it fit within the brand and the interior? The one thing, however, is that there is consistency yeah. within that product, which is very much an electric driving yeah. out there, and the um, spaceship looking autonomous thing that was up on the very top correct. Stairs. Yes. yes. There's definite consistency within that. Now, how is that going to inform uh, Hyundai in the in the future? I don't know, um, but you know, I I, I, I think the the Nam Yang team, which is who's designed these, um, is uh, you know quite strong, and you know Sang Yip Lee and uh, Simon Losby and Luke Dungalog deserve some credit over there, um, as does the entire team. So yeah. So credit. last but not least, in terms of the show, then we get to the quick best of the best BMW. One very quick word to an absolute hideous thing is the uh, X5 Venter Black. So we've seen this. It's absolutely ridiculous. You show a car and you paint it in such a color that you don't see the form. Why do you even show it? It, it just doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it was a marketing gimmick whatsoever. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, so hopefully they don't do it again. <laughs> Now, 4 Series. Or I know it's called the 4 Concept. Yes. Quick one. Nice body side. I do like the rear this time. And the front is a freaking Bieber. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's like, you know, Adrian van Hooyden was saying in an interview recently, it's like, oh, you know, we want to use the kidney as an expression of the size of the car and the range of the car. So, X7, 7 Series, very big kidney. This kidney was even bigger and it's a smaller car technically in, the, in, in, in their brand. Like, what are you doing? You're so inconsistent in your communication, you're inconsistent in terms of what you're showing. I just have no idea why. And... It's again, I hate to do the BMW bashing, but it's just like, it's not consistent. Like, stop doing these kind of things. It's like, it's consistent in the, in the sense it's bad, but that's the only thing. Yeah, that's pretty much my take on that. Yeah, so um, the Concept 4 I thought was really quite nice, actually. Um, you know, if you save the, the kidney grill, um, uh, I'm not a big fan of what's happening there. I did have quite a long chat with Adrian Van Hudong, so I'll publish a story about, you know, what's happening within BMW at some point. Um, but I think from a, you know, in terms of what BMW's come out with in recent times, I think that this is probably one of the best cars to come out of BMW. Um, and I say that, you know, not lightly because... You know, we've all seen what has been coming out of, you know, BMW. And yeah. it's not been great. And uh, that's a quite quite unfortunate. So, anyway, I did publish that on Instagram. Somebody came up to me yesterday at Designer's Day and was like, <laughs> were you serious? And I said, well, yeah, if you put it into context, it's actually looking... It's it's the best thing to come out of BMW in recent times. And that's without a doubt. That's, it, that is the case. Um, but, again, you know, the issue... The, the kidney grill and the size of them and the shape of them and whatnot is always going to be an issue of contention. I understand the brand identity aspect of it, 
um, but there's other elements um, that come into play. And so, anyway, it's um, it seems like BMW is very much doing, um, you know, some marketing, some, you know, making sure that they're putting their stamp on things. Now, yeah. the one thing that was disappointing, however, and again, you know, you have to leave something to the imagination, um, is the fact that there was no, no interior. interior. In that yeah, no interior. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, four series, three series, they tend to really converge and... You know, it's safe to assume that it's going to look very close to the new three series interior and that four series. Um, you but, know, when it but does you're come absolutely back. right. I mean, like, you know, you, we would have absolutely loved to see uh, an interior in that one, where even if it would have been a little bit some forward-thinking ones, but uh, wasn't in there. So let's wrap this up. Yes. Because they just announced they're going to close the show, <laughs> and um, so very simple. We're going to do best concept of the show, best production of the show, worst of the show. Um, Eric, in short and sweet, best concept of the show. Best concept would be the Hyundai. Mainly because whilst I'm on the fence and, you know, there are some elements that I like and some elements that I don't understand or don't like, um, or, you know, mostly don't understand, is that, um, you know, it's it's pretty much, it's thin on the ground in terms of concepts, and that definitely takes the cake by a long mile. Yeah. Agree, 100%. Also, very few concepts around here. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, it's it's definitely by far the one that's with <laughs> that's, that's 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 <laughs> by default almost almost. But no, yeah, it's, like it's it was, very good. It's what very a bit good. Of, was a bit of competition, but like you know, it's it's alright. All right, now best production car. Best production's got to be the Taycan for me. Um, you know, it's I'm not like a Porsche fanboy, but I think you know it. It was to be expected. They didn't sway. They came out with something that is absolutely gorgeous and is just brilliant, I think. And, um, yeah, I for me, that is the production color of the show. You were saying Land Rover yesterday. Now you changed your mind. No, 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 no. no. I, I'll stick to the Defender. I'll stick to the Defender because I... Even though I, you know, I had the problems with the interior and the production quality, it's just like I'm, I am very impressed on how well they stuck to the Defender language um, I could for me it's a coin toss Defender or Taken both deserve it you could even bring the Byton into in, into the conversation as well simply because it's so impressive that they could bring the screen in that size into production uh, but yeah for me Defender also just, for a first car like for a first bam. car again it's another thing so <laughs> for me it can be the coin toss between the Defender the Taken and the Byton they're all equally you know important for the production line the, the different kind of directions uh, Obviously, the, the electric cars as well. But uh, I'll take the Defender because it was just my, my gut feeling. Now, worst of the car, uh, worst of the show, anything that you want. Worst of the show has to be this Hongxi thing, man. Like, the, the, you know, I'll give, I'll give the supercar a pass just because whatever. Like, I, it's not even worth it. But the, the SUV, I think they had a shot to make something that was interesting. No interior, so I can't judge that. But what I can judge is the absolute mammoth you know SUV like not very uh, just not elegant um, you know for a brand like Hongxi they should be doing something way better and again that I can't get past that yeah. color of the air vent type thing where you're like what are you like anyway so that for me is no I'm sorry I have to give that a big thumbs down um, I'll take the uh, Volkswagen ID3 yeah. because I had very high expectations and I was hoping for really cool stuff and um, yeah, unfortunately, I was uh, I was quite disappointed in, you know, maybe the hype was too high or like, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But um, yeah, for me, it, it was unfortunately the um, 
the ID3. There is one thing that we need to actually throw in there is that Polestar came out with the Polestar 2, and they're dealing with essentially the same package. Almost, and yet they've yes. managed to make that car look completely more desirable. Yep. It's probably not going to hit the same price point with Polestar products, right? Yeah. Polestar is like stratospheric in terms of pricing, and they probably will get it. Yep. But when you think about essentially the same package and how the two different companies approach that, you know, paradigm, that problem, it's um, you know, and the solutions yep. that they. That might, also, that might also be part of the size of the companies, but that's up for uh, another podcast. Yes. So we ah. would like to thank you for listening. So it was a little bit longer than we expected, but we wanted to go into as much detail as possible yeah. Yeah. Um, for all of you. So we definitely enjoyed Frankfurt Motor Show 2019. Yes. We're unfortunately not sure if they will return in 2021. Uh, there is a, it's, it's, it's a 50-50 at the moment yeah. because this year was, in terms of uh, you know manufacturers coming out, not great. Really disappointing. So um, we're hoping that we're going to be back here in 2021. But uh, in the meantime, please do let us know, as always, on social media, on email, on anything uh, that you can think of, Facebook, LinkedIn, to contact us if you do have any questions. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Eric, thank you very much for coming, as always, to, yes, thank uh, you, to be with me here. Pleasure. Uh, thank you very much to our producer, Eddie, as well, for always being patient Cheers, <laughs> and, cu and, and cutting <laughs> uh, and editing the, uh, the podcast. Yes. And you will hear back from us very, very soon for a, another normal episode of the Gestalten podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.